0: Good morning. It's good to see all of you. Thank you. It's good to be home. It's good to be in air conditioning. No, it's great to see all of you. Thanks for being here today. And if you did not know, Wyatt, uh, not Wyatt, Garrett, that's a joke. We've been battling this. Um, Garrett, he's been playing music at this church since he was in high school. Today was the first day that he led in worship. I thought he did an outstanding job. So, Garrett, if you're listening back there, great job, buddy. And I don't know if you know it, but the second song that we sang, Garrett wrote that song. It's an outstanding song. So there's all kinds of good things to celebrate. So uh, a lot of you have been asking, how was my sabbatical and what did I do? So let me just give you a a little rundown. Uh, I had a great sabbatical. It was great to be away for a while. Uh, Part of my sabbatical was about uh, getting away to give God some space to speak to me about some questions that I'm um, working through in my life. And um, part of my sabbatical was designed to be hard or outside of my comfort zone. And um, I sort of wanted something that felt a little bit like going into the wilderness because I just needed to focus on my relationship with God. And so uh, here's, here's a quick rundown. Uh, not all of it was hard. Some of it was just beautiful. Um, I went to Pennsylvania where I grew up uh, for 10 days and uh, visited my mom and my dad and my sister, which just means I got spoiled for 10 days because my mom makes all my favorite foods. Uh, literally, I think there was like eight bags of cookies that she'd made. I think I ate two cookies the whole time I was there, um, but that was a great visit. Um, I went down to Penn State University. I completed my sixth half Ironman race and uh, enjoyed that experience as you enjoy those experiences. And. Uh, It was great to be with my parents and my sister and and hang out for a while. Got to eat at my absolute favorite pizza place in the whole world. And so it was all good. Then I came home for just a couple of days and then I packed up my truck and um, I went out and I explored the Grand Circle, um, which is kind of a tour of national parks in the Arizona, Utah area. I went to six national parks, camped and hiked. In what was historically the longest stretch in Arizona history of 110 plus temperatures. And um, that was challenging. Got to hike to the bottom of the Grand Canyon one day, which was a bucket list kind of thing for me. It was 117 degrees. Took me five hours to climb back outside of that um, enormous chasm in the earth, but amazing. So, uh, Grand Canyon went to. Uh, Zion National Park went to Bryce, went to Arches, went to Canyonlands, went to, did you know we have a park called Capitol Reef National Park? Neither, neither did I. Um, but it was So just wonderful experience camping, exploring, doing lots of hiking. Uh, came home, went to Dallas for a few days, hung out with a really, really good friend of mine. He and I went to some Rangers games together. We ate lots of ballpark franks and uh, lots of great food in Dallas and then just had some great laughs and lots of good talks about things going on in our life, and I really appreciate him. And I came home and spent the last week here in... Um, san antonio uh hung out with my wife worked in my garage that i'm trying to transform into a sculpting studio so i can get back to creating some art and so all in all just all the things i love to do and that was good for my soul i needed that time i had lots of windshield time lots of driving time and uh just asking god to give me some direction in my life and um to know what the future for our church looks like. And um, I'd love to tell you that I got all the answers. I don't. I got a few. But I'm going to continue to wrestle with God to see what it is that that he has for me. But I just wanted to say thank you to the leadership of this church and to you as our church family to support me in being able to do something like this and giving me the time to do that. And I just want to say thank you. I genuinely appreciate that. Um, I'm very, very grateful for a tremendous staff team who just did a wonderful job making sure that our church family and our community had everything that we are attempting to provide, and so they just did an outstanding job, and I'm really, really grateful. So um, good to be home, good to see all of you again, and I'm looking forward to... Some things that i want to share with you over the next couple weeks um, so I, I i am really really grateful that when i go away on a sunday morning that you guys are left in good hands and i'm just so grateful for the seven teachers who served you over the last seven weeks they did a great job uh, Landon, landon and stephanie uh, tom patterson a member of our church family leader of our men's ministry did an outstanding job um, my good friend david martin came talked with you about being a good jesus being the good shepherd and um and then Joe talked to us a little bit about humility. Christian Burford, again, just did a wonderful job serving you guys, talking about forgiveness. And then how about uh, my young friend Wyatt Marchand just did an outstanding job. His very first sermon in the big room, and um, I was just so impressed. I mean, just an outstanding job talking uh, about an important topic of, of holiness. And today what I want to do is I want to continue the discussion that we've been having all summer. I want to talk with you about an important um, attribute of the life of Jesus, and um, I, think, I think we could all use a good reminder. I know that this sermon that I have for you today is a lot about what God's doing in my life and the way that he's working in me and some things that he and I wrestled with during my sabbatical. And um, I'm looking forward to to sharing that with you. You guys ready? Okay, before we do that, however, I want to let you know that um, here in a couple weeks, we will be hosting baptisms in our Sunday morning services on September the 17th. And I just want to, I just want to Put the invitation out there. If you've never been baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe you were baptized as an infant, but you don't really remember anything about that being significant in your journey of faith. Or maybe you were baptized as a teenager because all the other teenagers at camp were being baptized, and you don't remember it as being your public declaration of a decision of faith in Jesus Christ, or you've been following Christ for years, but you've never taken the step of obedience in the expression of baptism. We would be honored to be a part of that experience in your life. And so if you've been thinking about it and wondering about it and you think maybe it's time that I that I go public with my faith in Jesus Christ through the demonstration of baptism, we would love to participate with you in that. And again, we're going to do some baptisms in our September 17th service. So just go to our website, look for the events tab, and there's lots of information about what baptism means and how it works here at Cibola Creek and how you can be a part of that. Make sense? Make sense? Yeah, you guys got lazy, huh? You know, I like response so where were we well here's what we've been doing and this may be more for me than it is for you Um, we committed that in this year 2023 we would explore the idea of what it means to be a disciple of jesus a follower of jesus christ and the way that we've endeavored to talk about that here at cibolo creek is in three expressions or three dimensions that a disciple of jesus is somebody who spends time with jesus cultivating a relationship with him by faith, Uh, getting to know who Jesus is and what he's like and, and allowing Jesus the opportunity to know the truth about who we are. So spending time with Jesus, we see it modeled in the life of the disciples in the gospels. And we as 21st century disciples, we're not going to be an exception to the rule. In order to know Jesus, we have to spend time with him. The second expression of what it means to be as a disciple is the endeavor to become like Jesus. As we look at Jesus's virtues, his character qualities, his attitudes, his values, we are called to reflect him. And so in an endeavor to become like Jesus, we study what he was like in order to ask ourselves the honest question, am I living my life like Jesus would live his? And then thirdly, to do what Jesus did. Look at the practices and the habits and the priorities of Jesus and ask yourself, am I living my life that way? And here in a few weeks, we're going to start our discussion on doing what Jesus did. But for the summer here, we've been exploring this idea of become like Jesus. And we've highlighted a couple of virtues or character qualities or attitudes of Jesus. Here's some that we explored. Compassionate jesus was compassionate or is compassionate he's gracious he's humble he's unselfish he's devoted he's forgiving and we're asking ourselves does my life look like this as a reflection of jesus and today i want to talk about another character trait of jesus that like i mentioned earlier is really important to me right now it's it's where god and i are are doing a lot of work Because the honest truth is I have a lot to grow in this particular area of my life. So you ready? All right. So there's this word in the Bible. You you can't read the Bible without coming across this word hundreds of times. It's kind of a central theme to the Bible. You can't really understand what it means to to have a relationship with God without an understanding of this word. This word is critical to everything. And that is the word faith. 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 And what I've, what I've observed over the last 35 years of being a pastor is that many people have different definitions of what faith means to them. And so here's some of the common ways that the word faith is understood. For some people, it's, it's like my faith is my beliefs. The things that I believe to be true about God or Jesus or the Bible or the church or the afterlife, those are my beliefs. And so some people refer to their beliefs as their faith. For some people, religion, or, or they think of faith as a religion or a denomination. They say, I'm, I'm of the Catholic faith, or I'm Presbyterian by faith, or I'm Baptist by faith. And so some people think of faith as religion. Some people think in terms of like their obedience is an expression of their faith. Some people say, well, I don't, I don't drink, I don't smoke because my faith instructs me not to do that. And so it's a, an expression of obedience. And then for some people, they use the word faith as a way of describing sort of what they hope for. I, I hope God is going to provide the, the job that I need. I'm hoping that God will watch over my children as they go off to college. I'm hoping, this is a wish, this is hopeful thinking. And, and none of these are really wrong But they're not necessarily an accurate understanding of what faith is really all about and if you've hung out here at Sybil Creek any length of time you know that this is really important to me is that we understand that the word faith is about trust That long before the word faith got all religious on us, it was just a vocabulary word that existed in a time that they used this word to describe the essence of what it means to trust. That's why I believe that everybody on planet Earth lives by faith. The question is, what do they put their faith in? Some people, their faith is in money or wealth some people their faith is in family some people they put their faith in government some people put faith in themselves for a Christian we make the decision and the declaration that we will put our faith in God that what we will trust in life most is that God is true to what he says And so a definition of of faith that I want us to get is that when it comes right down to it, faith is living your life like you are convinced the words of God are true. Even when everything seems to suggest otherwise. Because there are times and experiences, even seasons in our life, where we are looking at our world around us, or we're looking at our marriage, or we're looking at the behavior of our adult children, or or we're looking at at a host of challenges in our life, and we we have a hard time reconciling them with what we believe to be true about God. it feels like God's really far away, or that God has abandoned us, or God's not really providing for our needs. And what faith is is the capacity or the decision that I'm going to trust that God word God's words are true even when everything around me in my world my culture maybe even my home or my marriage seems to suggest that God's not really coming through faith tells me that he is and I want us as a church family to learn to live by faith this way so in the book of Hebrews in the, Old, in the New Testament, the writer says this. Now faith, what faith is, it's a confidence of what we expect to be true. The word hope in the Bible is not wishful thinking it's a confidence in what we understand to be true so faith is confidence in what we know to be true and assurance of what we can't necessarily reach out and see we can't see god working we can't see god doing what we hope that he would do we can't see god answering our prayers but it's the assurance that we that god is in fact doing what he's promised even when we can't see it and how critical is faith well in verse 6 of that chapter the writer says this without faith it's impossible not hard not challenging or difficult it's impossible to please God so faith isn't just some like optional thing oh that's kind of theological I'll leave that for other people no faith is absolutely critical to our relationship with God without it we can't have a relationship with God does that make sense So there's this other word that we find in the Bible that's related to faith. You've probably seen it before. It's the word faithful. Faithful. What is that? Well, kind of a Paul Wilson definition. It's dependably taking care of what God has given you to do that the word faithful throughout the Bible is generally in reference to people who have accepted something that God has given them to do, and they do it in a reliable, responsible fashion. They keep doing it no matter how hard it might get. That's related to a term that we throw around church. It doesn't show up in the Bible, but churches use this word, this idea of being a steward or stewardship. Stewardship is being faithful with what God has entrusted to your care to manage on his behalf There's a parable in the gospels uh, we refer to as the parable of the good steward he took care of what the master had entrusted to his care and the 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 principle or the application to our lives as 21st century disciples is this what has God entrusted to your care do you want to know well things like your time that's a stewardship that god has given to you to us your time and what you do with it your money is a stewardship it's not really yours it's been given to you by god and he's asked you to manage it on his behalf your children are a stewardship they're a gift from god that he's asked you to take care of and manage on his behalf your talents your gifts your 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 abilities they, they've been given to you by god and he's asked you to manage them on his behalf so we see this in first corinthians it's required that those who have been given a trust or a steward it's been required that those who are stewards they must prove what faithful dependable reliable consistent trustworthy with what god has given them. You with me so far? Yes. So we got the word faith, and then we have the word faithful, right? So today I want to want to challenge you to think about all of this from a slightly different perspective. And to do so, I'm making up a word, <laughs> and that is the word faithful. I want to talk to you today about what it means to be faithful or full of faith. To be a faith-filled kind of person. So it's interesting. We meet two characters in the story of the New Testament that are described as being full of faith. We read about the first one in Acts chapter 6. This is the early days of the church just starting to find its own footing. It's coming to be in those days when the number of disciples were increasing. More and more people were coming to faith in Jesus. The Hellenistic Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews. It's a cultural thing. These Hebraic Jews had sort of stayed in the area of Jerusalem and had maintained the essence of the Jewish faith. Hellenistic Jews had been scattered during a, a dispersion, and they had adopted some Greek ways and Greek beliefs of life. And so they were sort of, you know, a little different. And so there's a, um, a complaint between the two groups because of their widows, were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The early church, in order to provide for the needs of Christians who were making decisions to follow Jesus Christ against their Jewish roots, and they were losing jobs, and they were, losing, uh, they were being kicked out of their synagogues, and they were losing relationship with their family, they were on their own. So the early Christians had to take care of each other. And so evidently they had put together some sort of a system to make sure that the widows among them were being fed. That they were sharing their food and there was a complaint that some of the Hellenistic Jewish widows weren't being attended to. So the twelve, the disciples, they gathered all the disciples together, the larger group of Christians. And they said, okay... It would not be right for us as the disciples, your leaders, to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to basically wait on tables or to make sure that the food gets to the places. So brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. You see what the disciples are doing as the, as the leaders are saying, okay, in order for us to focus on the priority of making sure that this growing congregation of Christians has an opportunity to understand the word of God and that we can be praying for them, we can't get wrapped up in all the busyness of the other things that need to be done. So I need you to choose a team of people who will take care of this distribution of food. Okay? You get it? Okay, watch this. This proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose a gentleman named Stephen. Now, there's others that have chosen. I'm just focusing on Stephen. They chose Stephen, I love this, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. A man full of faith. That intrigues me. What what does that mean? He was full of faith. Then we read in Acts chapter, excuse me, chapter 11. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen, that we just read about, was the first martyr, who was killed, these Christians, they scattered, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. And some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, and they went to Antioch and they began to speak the gospel to Greeks, telling them of the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now news reached the church in Jerusalem, and so they sent an ambassador, a representative, Barnabas. They sent him to Antioch to sort of see what was happening there. And when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. And he was glad, and he he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of faith. So again, I'm intrigued. What does that mean to be full of faith? So... Here's the distinction between faithful and faithful. The word faithful in the Bible is largely used to describe being dependable, consistent, Bible word, steadfast, persistent, loyal, being responsible with what God has given you to do. The word faithful seems to be used to describe people of courage, a people with a strong confidence in God, people who were calm cool collected no matter what was transpiring around them why because they had trust in God to provide for their needs and protect them they are people who are assured not in a cocky arrogant way they're just confident of what it is that they trust or who it is they trust they're often described as being bold not 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 toxic but just so courageous and confident in what they believe that they speak boldly the truth of God and his word to those that they believe need to hear it. Do you see the difference? So what I'm interested in is what does it mean to be a faithful person, a person full of faith? That's where God and I are working together now. Like, How does that work for Paul Wilson? How does that work for Paul Wilson as, as a husband? How does that work for Paul Wilson as a father to two sons? How does that work for Paul Wilson, a Christian? How does that work for me as a pastor of a church to be full of faith? Now, you guys still with me? Okay, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to challenge a couple of you. Because some of you, you grew up in church and you have very definite opinions of what good preaching is. And one of your definitions of what good preaching is and how it works is that unless the preacher can show a chapter and a verse that proves what he's saying, then that that isn't true. You with me? Okay, so you ready? I, I can't show you a specific chapter and a verse that says jesus was full of faith not like it said of stephen not like it says of barnabas but i believe that it would be very safe to conclude that of that of all the people that's ever lived in history that jesus was in fact full of faith the fullest of faith again i can't show you a chapter and verse but Can you can you go with me there? You see, Jesus perfectly embodied the life to which he calls us and he calls us to live by faith. A life of trusting God and Jesus perfectly trusted God with his life. Jesus lived his entire life on this earth with an unwavering confidence in the precepts and the promises of his heavenly father this is the faith that gave jesus the tenacious courage to boldly declare the message of his kingdom the message of the gospel the message of love when faced with unrelenting unbelief opposition and rejection I think it's safe to conclude that Jesus was full of faith. It was his full of faith that allowed him to endure the harassment of religious opposition throughout his entire adult life. It was his faith that allowed him to navigate the temptation in the wilderness when he squared off with Satan. It was his full of faith that allowed him to endure the unbelief of most of the other people that he encountered. It was his full of faith that allowed him to choose his father's will over his own will. When he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was his faith that allowed, allowed him to allow the crucifixion. I mean, think about it. He was God come to earth. Do you think he could have stopped that? You better believe he could have. But he willingly chose to offer his life as a sacrifice for sin because of his faith in the heavenly father who had promised that through his death, redemption would occur and be provided to human beings and that he would resurrect from the dead. It was his faith. It was his faith that allowed him to confidently proceed in the hope of the resurrection and his exaltation as the savior of the world. Did you follow that? Jesus was full of faith. One writer says this, Jesus had unwavering faith during the course of his life on earth. No one believed God's promises or lived his life or her life in light of those promises like Jesus did. Though his family doubted him, his disciples abandoned him his friends denied him and his fellow jews rejected him jesus had faith to trust his father who would one day at his resurrection vindicate him well i can't show you a verse in the gospels where jesus is declared as having lived by faith. There's a wonderful verse in Peter's first epistle to the early church. And he says this, he's writing to a Christian. To this you've been called, Christian, you've been invited into this, that because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps, that you should be prepared, that you too will suffer as a follower of Christ. And yet here's his example. He he committed no sin No deceit was found in his mouth. And yet when they hurled their insult at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him, God, his father, who judges justly. What is it? That's full of faith. I mean, think about it had you walked in Jesus's shoes or his sandals and you had been tried unfairly you had been unmercifully beaten if you had been brutally crucified do do you think you would have not fought for your preservation we would have But Jesus didn't. Why? Because of his faith. His faith in what he believed to be true. What he knew his father would deliver on his behalf, even though everything around him seemed like it wasn't going to happen. Jesus was full of faith. You with me so far? All right. So what does faithful look like? What does it look like for a Christian in the 21st century to live a life that's full of faith? Well, this is where I've been thinking. And I think there's two words that probably describe it better than any other number of words. That if we were to look at our lives and ask ourselves, Am I full of faith? These two words would become more and more true of us as it relates to our relationship with Jesus. You ready? Confidence and courage. Over and over and over again, Old Testament and New Testament, when I look at characters of the Bible who are described as being full of faith, what I see in them is that they had an unwavering confidence in the fact that God is going to come through for me even though right now it seems like he's not they had a tenacious courage they stepped out and they did really hard challenging almost impossible things because they believed that God would come through for them they were full of faith trust in him I mean you look at the lives of Abraham and joseph and moses you look at the life of david i mean just think of david one of the first encounters that we have of david he's a shepherd boy he's maybe 13 14 15 years old in those days his brothers his older brothers are off at war they're on the front lines and they're fighting against the enemy the philistines and because of the way things worked at that time in history, the family made sure that the soldiers had enough to eat. So the family would shuttle food out to the battlefield to feed their brothers. So David, a young shepherd boy, he's sent to the front lines to give his brothers some food. And when he gets to the front lines, he, he, he sees what's happening. There's this giant Philistine named Goliath. And he's mocking the armies of God. He's making fun of them because he, he feels superior to the God of the universe because he, he's so big. And, and David's like, what are you, why, why are we taking care of this? It was in his faith that he had the confidence So wait a second. The enemies of God cannot mock him. He had the courage. And so what he does is he, he steps out and he takes, he takes a slingshot with five stones. And he walks out and he confronts the Philistine as a little boy against a giant. Why? Because he was full of faith. He had the courage to step out confident that God, no matter how this would turn out, God would provide and protect. And on that first stone, hit the giant right in the forehead and it killed him. Why? Because David was full of faith that God would deliver. We see this in the Apostle Paul, we see this at times in the life of the disciples, and we see it in the life of the early church. I wrote this in my journal recently. We are living in a critical time in history. If you are unaware of how critical it is, I I suggest you pull your head out of the sand. Some of you got scared there for a second, didn't you? (laughs) I was gone a long time, but not that long. I mean, wake up, pay attention. We are living in a critical time in history, and the culture of contemporary society seeks to crush any trust, any faith in the historical roots of the movement of Jesus. It is imperative that 21st century disciples of Jesus resolve to live both a confident and courageous faith with a tenacious boldness and an unwavering assurance in what God has declared to be true in his word. This is no time to back away. This is no time to be quiet. We don't have to be jerks. We don't have to be rude and insensitive, but we must be bold with our beliefs in a world that's cramming a host of lies down our throat. We must be courageous and confident that what God has said is true for all of time and culture must submit to it and not it must submit to culture. We must be courageous and we must be confident as the men and women of the person of Jesus on this earth to live lives that are faithful. So I'm asking all of us, how full of faith are you? I'm married to a wonderful woman. Her name is Charlotte. Some of you know her. We can be very different in some things. One of those is how we manage our gas tank. (laughs) Charlotte will never, ever let her gas tank get below a quarter full. The once it hits quarter, she is racing to go get gasoline. Me, I like adventure. (laughs) I drive around on empty almost all the time. In fact, in the past, I was a courier. I, I was a courier in my car, and I would go to work on empty, do a whole shift on empty. In that particular car that I use, I burn out the gas tank light. Because it was on all the time. (laughs) Charlotte and I have very different ideas of like how to manage her gas tank. She never lets it get below a quarter full. Me? I, I think it's a picture. It's a picture to think about this topic, this concept of full of faith. So how's your faith tank these days? Is it full with an unwavering trust in God and his goodness and his love and his forgiveness and his, his promise to provide and protect you? Are you running a little bit closer to empty? Your marriage right now is really frustrating and you're praying with your whole heart for it to change. But the truth is, you've given up believing that it ever will. You have a teenager or a young adult child who's breaking your heart, and you're begging God to be at work in their life, but your faith is floundering. You're losing hope that it's ever going to happen. You're out of work, and you desperately need a job. And you're doing all that you can do. But you're not sure that God's going to come through for you. You see, here's the deal, is that when our tank becomes empty, there's all this space out here that isn't full. And some of us, maybe all of us, certainly the preacher, at times we live our lives and we're we're at a quarter tank and there's all this other empty space in our life that isn't full of faith it isn't full of faith when it comes to our kids you send your kids off to college and you you live the next 16 weeks petrified of what's going to happen to them you're just broken losing sleep over worry for them why because you lack the faith that God's got them and he's going to take care of them that he loves them more than you do that he's up to work he's up to a work in their life that you can't even begin to imagine you see the area where I'm wrestling with God right now is the areas of empty space where I'm not full of faith and so here today I'm just I'm inviting you to think about this to weigh it out and consider it. you know that's one of the great spiritual disciplines is to think deeply about the state of our soul. The psalmist says this search me God. go ahead, I open it all up, look around, search me God and know my heart. What's going on in there? I want you to see all of that. test me, go ahead. Ask me the question. Test and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything that's offensive to you, because I lack the faith to trust you with it. And and then lead me into a way of faith, a, a way of life that's everlasting. Uh, you ready? Here's a list of what life looks like when our tank is near empty. You ready? No, you ready? When we're running on empty, when it comes to faith, our life is consumed with worry and fear and panic. It's a lack of faith that, that we reason. I can't forgive them. When we resort to manipulating people or controlling them, it's, it's because we're not full of faith that God can be trusted to be at work in the situation. Our insecurities are an expression of a lack of faith thoughts of revenge with people who've hurt us deeply that's a lack of faith an an addiction it's a struggle with faith to truly trust God to meet my needs discouragement depression those are wrestlings of faith how much will I trust God to meet my needs and to come through on his promises anger and bitterness covetousness and jealousy wanting the things of others is about an issue of our faith tank running low so i have three questions for all of us this is for me how full is your faith tank these days honestly you don't have to answer to me I'M SAYING FOR THE GOOD OF YOUR LIFE AND THE PEOPLE IN IT, HOW FULL IS YOUR FAITH TANK THESE DAYS? WHAT AREAS OF YOUR LIFE ARE RUNNING ON EMPTY? DOES IT HAVE TO DO WITH YOUR KIDS? IS IT FINANCES? IS IT YOUR HEALTH? IS IT YOUR MARITAL STATUS? WHAT AREAS OF YOUR LIFE? THERE'S LOTS OF SPACE FOR MORE FAITH. And then starting tomorrow, what could you do to be more full of faith? Does that make sense? That's something for all of us in this room to think about. And I encourage you to do so. It's good to be back. Good to see you guys. Let me ask you to stand together. If we have not had the opportunity to meet, you're new to Ciblo Creek in a couple of weeks. I'd love to make your acquaintance. I'll be here at the close of the service. Please introduce yourself. And today we're hosting a lunch for people who are new to Ciblo Creek right here on campus. And if you want to come back at 12.30, I'm going to be having lunch with whoever shows up that are new. <laughs> we'd love to, love to see you and we'd love to answer any questions you might have about that. Fair enough? Let's pray together. Father, the story of your work throughout history is full of examples of people whose lives were filled up with faith. They had this amazing confidence and this unusual courage, not because they trusted in themselves, but they trusted in you. And the words that you declared to be true and the promises that you made and i can't help but think father that in the days in which we live right now that there isn't a great need on your behalf for men and women to be full of faith to have a confidence and a courage in what they believe to be true about you to make a stand and live out what you've asked them to do in this world. So this week be at work. Be at work in our hearts that so we do honest homework with you about just how full of faith am I right now. Do that work I pray and ask in my life and in the life of this congregation